Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the pod. We have a really special guest. We're just going to get right into it. We have Robin Cowan. Robin, please tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, I am a mom to an amazing eight and a half year old second grader, and he has autism. He's also very creative and thoughtful and generous. And then I am also mom to a six, oh, excuse me, she just turned seven, a seven-year-old little girl, and she is shy and precocious, smart and brave. I know that you and Amanda were talking because we were getting our lives together this morning about the community advisory committees that exist, obviously, at each school district here. And I think it's just California, right? I think so. Because I think that's like one of the things like that and like the regional centers. California has does some funky things. So if you're not in California, I don't know. Look it up. See if your state can figure it out. Or maybe your state has something even better. I don't know. Let us know. <laughs> so the Special Education Community Advisory Committee is a state mandated committee. We are only advisory, but our role is supposed to be that we advise our district on special ed services for the success of all children. And who makes up these committees? Just parents or blend of people? Who's part of it? Great question. So it's supposed to be led by specifically by parents of special education students, but then on the specific committee, so vice chair or chair or secretary roles, but it's in conjunction with the SELPA, which is a school administrator, as well as parents of general education students, other educators and staff in the school district, and community members. So anybody that provides a resource to special education kids or, again, grocery store owners, because we don't have a special education world, anybody can be part of it as long as it's in their specific community. Mm. And then, but then you're essentially, I don't want to say governed, but you're kind of governed by the school district. We are absolutely governed by the school district. We are under the authority of the SELPA and we are authorized to execute our duties under that person's authority. And it's also their responsibility to communicate with the parents and students in the district. So we're very much at their mercy. So you guys usually host, and every CAC is a little bit different, but do you guys have regular meetings for parents to come to, or how do you guys operate? We do. Everyone is different. I know Long Beach has it monthly. I want to say Capo, uh, San Juan Capistrano has theirs monthly. In Irvine, we have it five, about four to five times a year. So it just depends. For us, it's a lot. We are a new board. Um, We didn't even know about the Special Education Community Advisory Committee. We all served as on a PTA board for our preschool. It's a general ed and special education preschool, and it's the only PTA in all of the state of California for a preschool. And so we all served on the board. That's how we met. And even as part of the PTA, we had no idea this committee even existed. We got a lot of emails, but if you're a special education parent, you are knee deep in therapies and doctor's appointments and your children. And so it was really quick to delete that. And so that was something that we've asked our 
district to partner with us is can we please make sure that not only are we getting these communications out, but people know actually what this is and that it's not just one more email from our school district, but that right. this is actually a resource for parents. Yeah, like it seems lame, but even a poster board or it being, you know, somewhere that you probably pass by a hundred times because, yeah, there's just so much coming at us in this digital world that I could imagine one more. And it's a district email, right? So it's not necessarily your school. So you're just kind of like next, you know, how did you actually find out about it then? So I believe the special education word of mouth community okay. is huge. Yeah. And so that's yeah. how we found out about it. We came and we thought, well, goodness, this is awesome. We really believe in partnering with our district to make things better. And so how can we affect change? And so one of the ladies that I've known for probably about five years now said, I'm going to chair it and I want you to with me on the committee. So nice. we agreed. It's awesome. So I'm sure there's parents listening be like, okay, so what do you do? Like in your time being on the CC on the board, what have you, like has the board been able to accomplish real change within the districts. We know these districts, there's a lot of red tape. Yes. So we actually are really great friends. So we talk a lot about what our children are getting. Some of us are having more positive experiences than others. I would say one of those people. And so my aim is, well, how do we get this for other parents and other children? And so we came up with some goals. So for us, our number one goal was trust and collaboration with our district. Mm -hmm. So part of trust is built with transparency. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we asked for was an update to the website. And this has literally been like nine, ten months of asking. And then they update. And then we asked for a little bit more. I mean, we did put all of the requests out there, I want to say, in the August time frame. But there's just a lot of, I think, other roles that our district members are playing. And so change can be slower. And so we have a list of resources for those in our district that might look like different places for therapy or even dancing, extracurriculars for their children, regional center. I had no idea about the regional center. I can share that story in a little bit. And we've asked for staffing. Some people even in our district didn't know, like, who do I go to at my particular school to ask for resources? We've asked for form letters so that people, especially those with English as a second language, they can feel more fearful to be proactive in asking the district to assess their child, or they don't even know what to ask. So my thing is show parents the menu. You would never go to a restaurant and be expected to know what was on the menu and what to ask for. So why are our districts not showing parents here, here is an AAC device and this can help your child in developing their language. Here are ramps that we can allow to allow your child to access this particular thing. Here is adaptive PE to help them work on their motor skills. It's just there's so much that our districts can offer. And so it just would be nice for parents to know what those are. That's great. What about like, I know one thing that parents often ask for on the websites is information about each school, like what programs are at each school? That's something that's always hidden, right? It's, oh, well, I live near this school, but they only have a RSP class versus this other school has an SDC mod mod. And that's something that's often 
hidden? Is, is that something that they've been willing to put on the website? Or So actually, that is not as hidden as probably has thought. Again, show me the menu. So there's something called a local area plan, and every parent has the right to ask their district for their local area plan. Ours are on our website. Again, not intuitive kind of on where to find it. But the local area plan shares, there's also something called an annual service plan. And so for our district, it has each school site, and then it has a code. Again, if you don't know the language, you don't know what the code is. Right. You don't know what you don't know. Right. So you need help from your special education director or your SELPA to tell you what those codes are. What we've been told in our specific district is that those children with IEPs determine what services are offered at each school. Sounds really great, right? We all know that that's not really completely accurate because our district determines where those children go. In fact, one of my friends, their child has been moved from preschool to he's only in first grade. He's been at four different schools. If your IEP was really what drove services at that school, then why change four different schools the for a little grade. kid mm-hmm. who has difficulty with transition, new teachers, new principal, new peers, new community. How do you build community that way? So one of the positive things also is even in sharing those experiences, our district this year has decided that they are not going to continue moving children. And the particular program that has been moving quite a bit is supposed to stay through sixth grade. Oh, okay. um, so they, uh, we do feel that they are listening. Yeah. And so that's how you probably get a lot of your ideas you had mentioned through experiences and sharing. Do you think that that is something that they just didn't have access to before or you're able to kind of streamline what all these different parents' experiences are into like a nice, you know, bite size for the district to digest. That is a great question. It does make sense. So (laughs) we have something called public comments that are able to be shared at every community um, advisory committee meeting. And you literally can share about anything. It doesn't even have to be on topic. Um, And during those, your concerns, the goal is that your concerns are heard. And then whether it's specific to your particular child, the SELPA or the different district administration can get back to you specifically. Parents have had varied success with that. Sometimes they have not gotten a response. Sometimes they have. Another option during the public comment is something that's more generalized. So, hey, my child is being included, but I see that other children aren't being included. And we hear that a lot. But so why is my child being included and why are all these other children not being included? included. And so that's more a systemic question and conversation. One thing that we've been really successful in doing is we are very detailed with our minutes and our agenda. And we, so according to Robert's rules, if you don't agendize something. I mean, we've kind of coined that term. It probably doesn't exist in in, uh, Wikipedia or any other dictionary. But if we agendize it, then it is required by Robert's rules to be given attention to. And so when we agendize something, our district then is able to respond to that publicly. And so we ask them to do that. Hmm. That's great. Well, I wonder, 
So, because the CAC technically, is, since it's part of the SELPA, it is technically a governmental agency. So you should be following the Brown Act, which would require you to provide that agenda to everybody as public information prior to the meeting and then afterwards. So then when you guys kind of come up, you discuss things that your agenda, do you then bring it to the school board meetings, that information? Or how do you relay it to the school district? Great question. So we are a new board, and so we are kind of still figuring out our role. Every year, we are supposed to, as a community advisory committee, being making, we are supposed to be making annual recommendations to the school board. We have not personally done that yet. I just attended my first school board meeting a couple weeks ago and introduced myself. And we had the chance to go to Sacramento and lobby for special education funding. And so I thanked them for the opportunity. And I really wanted it just to be a real positive interaction. There has been some amazing headway in the Long Beach Community Advisory Committee with their district. I think they're a great example of collaboration. They made in August of 2018, I believe, a list of seven recommendations, starting with something as simple as the district putting out a letter saying that they support inclusion. That's something that hasn't really happened in Irvine yet. And so even if a particular district person may support inclusion, that doesn't mean that's filtered all the way down to a general education teacher. And so when that child may be in that class, that teacher may not be educated. They may not be supportive. And so that's kind of like step one for us. So we haven't made those annual recommendations yet, but we are in process of we created a subcommittee for inclusion and a subcommittee on behavior. And so that's kind of our aim is that at some point we will be making recommendations to our school district. It's all localized, right? I mean, if you want to really affect you need to do it at a local level and just being able to kind of see what you've done in the short amount of time, you know, and really emphasize it all starts with an attitude, right? And you've talked about that collaboration and trying to be transparent and cooperative, I think goes a long way. By the time that parents usually come to us, they're really angry. And most of the time it's justified, (laughs) you know, and, you know, and sometimes we have parents that are still in the mourning process. And we had a, I know I've mentioned this before, and I think it's, I forget the name of it, but there's this beautiful poem about uh, taking a trip to Holland instead of, you know, where you were planning on going in Italy. And, you know, sometimes when we have those parents that are still mourning, you know, it's hard for them. And we can change that child's life, but that systemic kind of issues with behavior or with, you know, even certain areas here in Southern California that the children are dealing with trauma. You know, I think with the Supreme Court um, and Andrew F. really showing that we need to take into consideration the children's circumstances. I think that that's really pushing a lot of these districts to listen when the parents are kind of letting them know what's going on and to really pivot, you know, so that it starts top down, right? Just like you said, if the attitude is just like, whatever, we're just trying to get these kids through, da, 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 that gen ed teacher that has the six sped kids or that sped teacher that's starting out that's new that wants to like raise up in the ranks will have that attitude. So it's really encouraging to us. And I think I said that to you when we met, I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And I wonder, you know, have you been able to kind of get that word out and build that committee within your special education community in Irvine? 
Yes, we are continuing to build. I think, again, we are in partnership with our district. And so their responsibility is to get the communication out. But on the ground, if you will, we're seeing that a lot of parents weren't actually receiving the communications. Mm -hmm. So it would go to the principals, then it would go to the admins, and sometimes it would just get stuck there. Sometimes different schools were great at getting it out to the education specialists, and they would disseminate it to their parents. But we have seen the more that we have pushed and then the more that we've actually taken responsibility for our particular schools and following up with our principals. We literally send out like texts and emails to Mm -hmm. the parents that we know. We remind them several times because, again, our world is can be very overwhelming. And there are so many different aspects, whether it's a medical aspect or functional aspect or a family dynamic aspect, that there's just a lot to juggle. So a lot of the reminders are needed. And we had a will and trust presentation. So the way we have ours specifically designed is that we have a meeting for the first 30 minutes and then we followed up with a presentation that is, our goal is to be actually applicable to the entire population. So we had one on bullying. Bullying doesn't discriminate whether you're a general education student or a special education student. And then we had one on will and tr- wills and trusts. And that one we had, oh, probably over... I would say a hundred people attended that one. It was an evening presentation. And so, yeah, we considered it very successful. It was a great resource for the parents that attended and the educators, because I feel like it gave them a different perspective that general education parents don't have to deal with long term, how to protect their children, that their family members or their siblings may not take care of their children when they pass away and that their children may need long term care. And I I just feel like that was probably a perspective that they didn't understand. And so that it kind of expanded their world. I think a lot of things that involve the special education community and world affects everyone. And that's something that I think is important for everyone to realize that it, it affects everyone. You know, and we get this all the time when we get parents, gen ed parents that will ask, why is this special funding being going towards these kids? You know, and it's like, well, we're all trying to get children. The purpose of education is to get these kids to be independent, you know, contributing members of society. Well, it helps everybody if all the kids get that. And it does affect. And, you know, the same way. If your child is being included in a gen ed class, if that gen ed teacher is not supported, it is going to affect everybody, not just the child with a disability, you know. And so that is something. So, you know, it's great to have topics that I think everything kind of crosses over. And that's why, like, our demographic of our podcast really, yeah, kind of crosses over. But, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. I feel like we're going to have to have you on again because I feel like you have a lot of more that we can talk about. (laughs) But yeah, obviously you guys check out um, your local community advisory committee. And if your district doesn't have one, you know, it sounds like it's their responsibility to make sure that one can be created. So if you're especially in California, we should have probably looked into other states. We'll get you guys next time with our district rep. He's from a different state. So I'm already said too much. Anyway, hope you guys enjoyed this episode and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you.